You're listening to KYMN 95.1 FM, 1080 AM, and streaming online at KimRadio.net. It's time for the On Deck Sports Show, sponsored by Falk Financial Services. It's the show that covers America's pastime through the eyes of the people who love it the most. From journalists to broadcasters, and of course, the athletes that play the game, we will have all your bases covered. Here's your host, Colin Landsteiner. Welcome to the On Deck Sports Show, sponsored by Falk Financial Services. Today, we've got a great program for you. A.J. Reister from the Raider Rap is in to discuss the Minnesota Twins. But before that... Our guest via the phone line from earlier this week, Chris Klein-Hans Schultz. You ask who's that? Well, he is the play-by-play broadcaster for the Twins' single-A affiliate, Cedar Rapids Colonels. This is the On Deck Sports Show, sponsored by Falk Financial Services. Our guest is Chris Klein-Hans Schultz, the play-by-play broadcaster for the Cedar Rapids Colonels. Chris, uh, thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be on. And Chris, uh, for our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with your work, uh, how long have you been with the Colonels? And uh, what outside of play-by-play, what's kind of your role with the team? Well, I've been with the Cedar Rapids Colonels doing baseball games since 2016. And in my role, in addition to calling all the Colonels games, I also have a lot of duties that are similar to, say, like the sports information directors at colleges, where it's handling things with game notes and game recaps and just a lot of the information directly involving team play. And then, like just about anybody in minor league baseball at this level, you know, you're available for helping to get the tarp on and off of the field at times and you know, just whatever little things that pop up. It's a bit of an all-hands-on-deck operation, but primarily broadcasting and media stuff is what I'm engaged in with the team. And Chris, you guys had kind of a weird year last year. I mean, with the pandemic, players all across the minors didn't really see any baseball action. And from a player standpoint, how did many of these guys get through that time without baseball? But also from a staff point, because there's a lot of people who have jobs that help the games go on. And how did they get through that year without baseball? And that was really challenging on so many different levels for all of us. I mean, if, if you're a baseball player, depending on where you live, that might have really hindered your ability to get any kind of workout in during a lot of those pandemic months where a lot of things in the country were really shut down. And there also just isn't any substitute for real live action. So, like, even though the major league season was only 60 games, at least guys at the top level were still able to play, whereas you have a lot of guys now, it's their first real baseball games and like 19, 20 months. So that's a long layoff between full competition and guys are still kind of getting into the swing of things. But a lot of people that were able to get different workouts in took advantage of that time. You see some guys who up the velo on their fastball, guys who kind of cut some weight or even added some weight in terms of strength. And so some guys were at least able to do some different things, even though it's still a bit of a rocky step to get back into real play. And then from a front office standpoint, speaking specifically for the Colonels, we were trying to do things to still be engaged with the community and still help out. We had some non-baseball related events over the summer, even had some high school opportunities that popped up as well. But one of the other challenging things on our end is that we had the derecho come through in August. So that was that significant windstorm that did a lot of damage in this area, including to parts of the ballpark. So for us getting ready for this season, it wasn't just the layoff and getting back into the swing of things there were still some things that needed to be fixed up around the ballpark to get it back to where 
the field itself was playable, that we had all the things that you need for a game, and also that the building itself was set up for the event. But between all the different general contractors and subcontractors that we have helping us out, certainly support from the city of Cedar Rapids and that hand, all hands on deck approach in terms of the front office and everything else with the colonels themselves. You know, we were able to have a solid opening week to the season earlier in the month, and now we're just looking forward to hopefully handling the season about as well as could be asked for with all the challenges that still remain. But we're certainly looking forward to the opportunity of having these games, getting people back in the ballpark. What a time we're living in, right? You know, but fast forward, yeah. like you said, had your first home game since the pandemic here, seven nothing victory for the Colonels. But what was it like to have the fans back in the stands at the ballpark? It was absolutely amazing. It was an official attendance of just over seventeen hundred, which for the regulations we're working with, that was a socially distanced sellout for us. And even if it was only 1,700 or so fans compared to, say, the 5,000-plus that we could have for a max sellout in a normal year, it was still a raucous crowd. People were really engaged with the game and just so excited to be back. It was just, all in all, a wonderful thing to be a part of. And the fact that the game itself also happened to be a win for the Colonels was a bonus on top of that. Yeah, it's all across you know the country. It's been great to see fans at baseball games and sporting events again. And um, you mentioned prior to that, you know, the team, the community had been through quite a bit of adversity. But a lot of the individuals had individual adversity they've been going through as well, including John Olson, which what a miraculous story to see him come back to the game. Uh, a guy who's really battled through a lot of things over the years. And uh, it sounds like you guys have some other individuals who've been going through different things as well. Maybe kind of give us a quick recap of the John Olson story. And, um, man, it's amazing to finally see that guy get on the mound and pitch for you guys. It is, absolutely. And John's one of three guys on our pitching staff who went over 1,000 days between official games. We had Zach Featherstone, who had Tommy John in 2018, was going to pitch in the Gulf Coast League late in 2019 before the end of that season was canceled because of Hurricane Dorian, and then, of course, the pandemic for 2020. And then Brandon Coach, who was pitching in the Rays organization in 18, needed Tommy John and eventually got into the twin system but without an opportunity to compete in 2020 because of COVID-19 and then finally re-upping with the twins only several days ago and then pitching for us at Quad Cities. But John Olson's story is absolutely amazing. He was a guy who, in 2017 at UCLA, had this great sophomore season, even saw action with the USA Baseball Collegiate National Team. So things were really ramping up into that junior year. Well, he has an emergency appendectomy before the season starts. During the season, in a game with USC played at Dodger Stadium, a line drive hits him in the face. And so he's out for a little bit in between coming back to play that year and even at other times just different surgeries for facial reconstruction when he did come back from that tore his ucl so he needed tommy john surgery and so from april 15th 2018 until pitching for the cedar rapids colonels on may 9th no official baseball games in between something over 1100 days between official outings and between the tommy john surgery the facial reconstruction even a surgery for thoracic outlet syndrome. I mean, he had a lot of procedures done in that interim. 
And the fact that he finally gets that chance to be on a mound on a fairly regular basis and live that pro dream, I mean, to think about all that he had gone through to get where he's at now, it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, what what an amazing story, and uh, really excited to see what he can do for you guys. Again, we're here with Chris Kleinhans Schultz, the play-by-play broadcaster for the Cedar Rapids Colonels, and Chris. As we all know, in the minors, you see a lot of great players come and go, but who are some of the guys you're most excited to see play for the team this year? Matt Canarino and Blaine Enloe stand out as some of the top pitching prospects, and both are guys that we had seen with the Colonels in the past. Both did some things with the time that they had without the season in 2020 to really fine-tune some things, get back to some basics, and both have been showing some good stuff early on in the season. And then looking at position players, you know, Matt Walner stands out as a prospect, and he's a Forest Lake, Minnesota guy who got drafted by the Twins as a pitcher out of high school, but then ended up doing so well as a batter at Southern Miss that the Twins drafted and signed him as an outfielder. And he's been doing some good things early on this season. Plus, on the infield, Spencer Steer's been hitting the cover off the ball, was recently named by the Minnesota Twins as their minor league player of the week, and then Gabe Snyder, who we had here, is a Midwest League midseason and postseason all-star. He had four home runs in the Quad City series that we're just coming off of and just continuing to show some of the power that he showcased with us back in 2019 as well. And there's so many other names down the list. I could tell you a lot about pretty much everybody because that's part of the nature of my job is to learn these things and disseminate them. But, you know, those are some of the names, at least initially, that I could say really stand out and guys I really look forward to watching every night. Yeah, it should be a fun year for you guys. And, uh, of course, this year will look a little different um, in that you guys are going to be playing six-game series against these different ball clubs. And uh, what has that been like so far? We talked to Sean Aronson a bit about it right before the season started. It's going to be a bit of a different look, but uh, have you enjoyed the change so far? Do you think it's something that could be permanent down the line? Uh, I guess your thoughts on it. I have heard some inklings that this is something that when people look at the smaller travel costs that are associated with a schedule like this, and certainly once we get deeper into it, how some of the experiences are going to be for teams for it, there probably is going to be some interest in possibly keeping something like this moving forward. But from our perspective, who could say for sure? What makes it really interesting is that normally you're used to having a bunch of three- and four-game series. You get off days thrown in every now and again. But now you're going to go with six days in a row against the same team, wherever that might be, home or away, and then that guaranteed off day on Monday. And it's really fascinating just to see how different teams are handling things in terms of their starting rotations, what they want to do, whether they're a five-man or a six-man rotation. And I think it was Trey Cabbage, one of our outfielders, who talked about it. Like, If you're doing well against the team over those first few games, you look forward to having a few more against them. But if you struggle those first couple and you keep seeing the same kind of guys for a few more days, that's a time where you kind of wish it wouldn't be a six-game series and you can just move on to somebody else. It can be pretty easy to you know, either get off to a fast start and keep it going against a team or the opposite and be in kind of a rut for that entire week. I mean, we've only had the two series so far, but I'm just really interested to see how things keep going with this as we move along with the season, especially as people start moving up and down the ladder a little bit just to see how different guys adjust the schedule at different levels in the organization as well. And Chris, in the past, uh, I know you've traveled to some of the different ballparks here in the minors. Do you have a favorite ballpark outside of, of course, your ballpark in Cedar Rapids? 
to visit and call a game from? I'll say among my favorite visiting ballparks, I've always been a fan of Wisconsin's ballpark up in Appleton, technically Grand Chute, Wisconsin, because I actually had family that was in that area, grandma and grandpa on mom's side of the family. So if we went up to grandma and grandpa for a vacation, we'd go to a bunch of Timber Rattler games while we were up there as well. And I saw guys like David Ortiz when he was playing for them. And even before they were the Timber Rattlers, I even got to see Alex Rodriguez in a game with the Appleton Foxes at the older ballpark, which doesn't exist anymore. But that was always a fun place to go to, and it's also a good spot as a broadcaster in terms of the location and the sight lines from the booth. I've also been partial to Bowling Green because that was actually where my first minor league job was with the Hot Rods in 2013. They are still an affiliated baseball, but they're in a different league now, so I won't get those trips back there anymore, but it's definitely fun to see them and really all of these teams that are part of the current structure because, you know, we also have to step back and realize how lucky we are to still be involved in the affiliated system because there were several dozen communities that now aren't in that same structure anymore and are trying to find new forms of baseball for those springs and for those summers. So, I mean, you sit back and look at things, you know, it's fun just to be at a point, even with all the things that are still in place, even with all the changes brought on by the pandemic that, you know, we still get these opportunities and we're very thankful for them. Again, we're here with Chris Kleinhans Schultz, play-by-play broadcaster for the Cedar Rapids Colonels. And Chris, lastly, uh, if anyone's interested in tuning into a Colonels game, uh, where can they hear you guys? We have all of our broadcasts online this year, and people can find it just by going to colonels.com. We have a link right on our homepage, kind of top right, under, right above the latest news section, and also underneath a little block that shows some of our upcoming games where you can click to listen in. It's also under the team and stats header at the top of our website, Listen Live to the Colonels. We tend to do our pre-game coverage starting 15 minutes before first pitch each day post-game show roughly 10 minutes or so and so as long as you're in that window you just go to the link click the play button and you can listen on the world wide web to colonels baseball throughout the 2021 season chris uh, thanks for joining us today thanks for having me on that's chris klein hans schultz again the play-by-play broadcaster for the cedar rapids colonels when we return aj reister from the Raider Wrap joins us to discuss Twins baseball here on the On Deck Sports Show, sponsored by Falk Financial Services. There is no sure-out in baseball, a game rich with statistics and probabilities. The investment world is also filled with numbers with no sure outcomes. Falk Financial Services is an independent financial planning firm that utilizes Riskalyze, a Nobel Prize-winning framework to help reduce fear and uncertainty by finding an advisory client's investment comfort zone. To learn more, call 507-645-2993 or visit us at falkfinancial.com. All investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. Securities offered through First Heartland Capital, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through First Heartland Consultants. Falk Financial Services is not affiliated with First Heartland Capital. All right, welcome back to the On Deck Sports Show Sponsored by Folk Financial Services. Colin here, joined by AJ Reister. We're going to talk some Twins baseball here. Minnesota Twins, AL Central standings we got here. They are 10 and a half games back behind the Chicago White Sox and 12 games under 500 at a record of 16 and 28. Not what we expected coming into the season, AJ. 
No, absolutely not. We had we had those big off-season acquisitions of um, Angleton Simmons and bolstering our pitching staff a little bit. We looked really good coming into the season. I was getting excited. The fans were getting excited. The front office was excited. And uh, not really the way we thought the season would start. And it's kind of just been a tumbling mess with the... Um, with the relief pitchers, I mean, the starters have been able to give us a solid start and the relievers come in and kind of let up some home runs, which is kind of the opposite of what the rest of the league is is experiencing right now with all the no-hitters and everyone striking out so much. I mean, it's a little backwards for the Minnesota Twins right now. Yeah, really, um, with the Twins, uh, nothing ever seems to click all at the same time. When the bats are hot and they're scoring runs, the pitching can't hold up. When the pitching's doing well, there's no offense. Um, and this is a team who's been filled with distractions this year, too. I mean, we've seen rain delays, which, you know, is usual in baseball. Uh, we've seen COVID delays. We've seen postponements due to, uh, you know, like protests. It's been a crazy year for this team. And, uh, of course, there are hand, a handful of injuries as well. And let's get into that, AJ, with injuries here for the Twins. Um, you know, just last Thursday, we saw Nelson Cruz and Jorge Polanco both get minor injuries. They're day-to-day right now. Uh, Buxton and Kirloff had long, you know, extended stints here. Buxton is still on uh, the 10-day injured list. Um, and, man... This team just can't stay healthy either. No, and talking about Polanco and Bucks, and Polanco was the guy who hit a walk-off home uh, walk-off earlier this week against the White Sox, which was a huge game. And then Buxton was our MVP candidate, and now he's down. He had an incredible start to this season. His bat was hot. He was making his normal diving catches in the outfield. He looked like an MVP candidate. And have those big players go down. And Nelson Cruz, he's our he's our rock he's our silver slugger yeah. guy he's our rock and to see all three of those guys go down i mean our bats have already been kind of um stumped for the first this start of the season and to have three of our bigger bats go down uh it's it's tough to see yeah and he, the quote here from baldelli uh you know saying talking about buxton yeah. Uh, is we're talking about someone that needs to be able to run and run the way he can when he returns. Again, he's not at that point yet. We're still building him up to a point where he can actually test it out. And, you know, this has been a constant thing with Buxton going in and out of the lineup. They really need him, even if they're not going to get back in the playoff contention, just to make it, you know, something for a reason for people to get out to the ballpark and watch a guy who's having an amazing season we need Byron Buxton back. Uh, AJ, let's talk about which I think was really the controversial Twins take all week. Um, in a game where the Twins had no business even being in, I think they were down 15-4. to four. Something um, crazy. They, what they've done a lot of times this season, they put Ostadio on the mound. And, uh, of course, on a 3-0 pitch, your mean Mercedes uh, – just blast that one out of the ballpark, hits a home run, and it's really been a controversy of whether he should be swinging on a 3-0 pitch. Uh, AJ, what is your take on the whole situation? Really, I think in that situation, it's 
up to the batter. I mean, really, the old quote from Yogi Berra, the, it's not over till it's over. And he's so young, and all the players in the MLB, I think, they, they're going to play their hardest until the end of the game. That's just how us as athletes are wired. We just we want to be out there and have fun and play. And I think that's that was just your mean Mercedes being himself going up and swinging at a pitch that he liked. So I really don't have too much of a problem with it. If the pitchers have a problem with it, then I think they'll let Mercedes know, and I think he's going to face that in the big leagues that, hey, some of these pitchers still hold those unwritten rules accountable, but it's like they said the last couple of years, it's a new era of baseball coming through, and I think uh, I think this is what we're going to be seeing a lot more of now, and I think this controversy will continue to come up, this debate will continue to come up, and me personally, I don't see too much of a problem in it. I like seeing home runs. That's what uh, the last few years have come to is tons and tons of home runs, and you know what? They're fun to watch. Yeah, it's a very layered situation with a lot of different, you know, there's some things we don't know about it. Like, did Tony La Russa tell him to, or signal him not to swing? And, you know, that's what kind of fueled this is that his actual coach came out and said, I don't think he should have swung, you know? Um, but I agree with you. I think it's really, you know, this whole controversy has been a distraction from the fact that the Twins did not play well in the game, you know, and really were nowhere near close. And when you put a position player on the mound, I, I feel like you kind of give up the ability to, you know, complain about something like that as well. You know, you're not even having a pitcher up there on the mound. Um, you're exposing yourself to that sort of risk to have somebody hit a home run on you. Um, so, I don't know. To me, I feel like a lot of the players and coaches in the locker room, they really don't probably see it as a big deal. Um, it's really just kind of the media, which is kind of blown yeah. it out of proportion. But, you know, yeah, unwritten rules. There's so many of them in sports, and um, it's been a very interesting topic hearing about that all, you know, week. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the Twins doubleheader on Thursday. You know, the Twins Wednesday had a game at Target Field. I believe it was like a noon game. Yep. Then travel to Los Angeles to play two games on Thursday and then came back to Cleveland on Friday to play a game. And, man, I can't even imagine Talk going jet lag. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can you imagine oh, going on that trip, playing four baseball games in probably less than 48 hours or something that's, like that? That's insane. In, oof. Um, so we got that going on. Uh, Twins got their first win, though, in a non- nine or a non nine inning game the other day mm-hmm. that's exciting we won a seven inning game hey hey i'll take it man we need the wins where we can get them whether they're seven nine four innings i don't care we need the wins man <laughs> but yeah that double header against the angels lost the first one seven to one and the bats slowly slowly starting to come alive we won that second one six to three and then in cleveland a ten to nothing game kidding me a nine inning what was it nine inning fourth fourth inning i think yeah but hey the bats have been quiet that's kind of been a topic for the minnesota twins how we have such a slug heavy lineup and we haven't been putting up the runs but these last couple games six runs ten runs maybe the bats are slowly starting to come 
and maybe we can start putting it together for, to start stringing together wins. That's got to be our first complete effort as a team. Great pitching, great hitting, mm-hmm. all the way down the line. We, you're right. We need to see more of that here with the Twins, but they take on the Cleveland Indians again here today uh, in our pitching matchup. Kenta Maeda versus Shane Bieber. Yeah, two American League Cy Young finalists last year. Obviously, Bieber beat out Matt Maeda for that award last year. Uh, Maeda has been a little, have had a, has had a rough start to say the least. He hasn't been doing as great, and Shane Bieber still doing his thing. It's definitely going to be an interesting pitching matchup and seeing how the Twins' offense can uh, face or how the Twins' offense can fare against a good all-star pitcher um, when the bats are starting to heat up again. So this will be, be a true test early in the season to see if the Twins have a shot at starting to climb that American League Central standings. Yeah, you know, you have to take it one game at a time, try to win a few series here, and, you know, it's going to have to be a process throughout the entire summer trying to slowly get back to 500. And then once you get to 500... Get back to me. Let's see where we are in the standings, right? Yeah. Um, but there, there's still some time to have a fun season. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to make any promises on anything more than that, but yep. there's this still is... some time to have a fun season. Go watch some Twins baseball and uh, listen to it on 95.1. The one. AJ, thanks for joining me here today. Thanks for having me, Colin. AJ Reister, he's the host of the Raider Rap Occasionally, we'll stop in and talk some baseball with me here on the On Deck Sports Show. Special thanks to him and our other guest today, Chris Kleinhan Schultz. He's the play-by-play broadcaster for the Cedar Rapids Colonels. And again, this has been the On Deck Sports Show, sponsored by Falk Financial Services. Don't go anywhere. Game two between the Cleveland Indians and the Minnesota Twins is coming up right up next here on KYMN.